Anyone, <clears throat> have you had a, a phone conversation with somebody that you didn't have a great connection? You know, and you're, you're trying to talk to them and, and, and things drop out and you're wondering what you lost and what they said and then they come back on and then you're trying to pick it up like, okay, where was I? Because you know, some people when, when like the phone conversation stops, right? You realize, hey, I've lost connection. They don't know they've lost connection and they just keep talking. <laughs> Right? Have you ever had that happen? They just keep going and going and going. And then, you know, five minutes later when they realize you haven't been on the other end, you're trying to figure out how to catch up. Hearing God requires a great connection. And I want to talk to you this morning about being connected. We're in a series called Conversations where pretty well it gives us a latitude to, as our pastoral team just like, I feel like we need to we need to speak on this. You know, it might be holiness, it might be purity, it might be discipleship, it might be bitterness. But I just feel like this morning, I want to I talk to you this morning about connections because connection and connecting is so important. There's also a safety when I think about hearing God. There's a safety in community. I've, I've seen people do some pretty crazy stuff by saying, well, God told me. And, and they, don't, they don't really vet it out in community. The Bible says in the mouth, uh, you know, there's, there's wisdom in the, in the counsel of many. And, 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 and Jesus said in the mouth of two or three, let everything be established. Peter writes this. He said, let no prophecy be a private interpretation. But I'm going to tell you from 25 years of leading a church, I've had people come up to me and just say, God told me. And I'm like, okay. How are you proving that? How are you testing that? Are you testing that by the word? Are you testing that in the mouth of two or three? And it, 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 it takes connection and community to hear from God. But I want to have a conversation this morning about connect, being connected. Amen? Connections are important. The right connection gets you in. The wrong connect, connection can get you destroyed. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And a lot of times we think these connections out here, that seems like it's good, but they, they, they lead you off the path. You've got to have the right connections. And if you're not connected in so many places, you're at a disadvantage. We have been connected. Uh, I just realized this is going to be really hard to do my illustration. You, you would do that for me? You would volunteer. That is so good. No greater love, <laughs> right on. I just, I just, I'm gonna do a little illustration, and my mind is like already a couple chapters ahead. But we were created to connect with God and with each other. I read a story about a world class mountain climber that died a few years ago. She was Japanese. She uh, had climbed Mount Everest in 2007. In 2009, she was the only woman to be awarded the prestigious Golden Ice Axe Mountaineering Award. And the story was that she had taken a break and detached herself from the rope that connected her to her companions. And they didn't see her fall. They just saw the gloves and the evidence that she'd fallen. So here's a world-class, world-champion, decorated climber that became disconnected. Becoming disconnected can kill you. You were created to be disconnected. You were created to be connected. 
And we were made that, but our pride, our independence, our self-reliance, our distractions all come against this principle that God created in us. And certainly there's an enemy that would like us to buy into the lie that we're okay without connection. It's okay for me to just like live up on a mountaintop in a cabin and, and not be around anybody else. How many of you have had that thought? I have. But here's the problem. Then you're, then you're there with yourself. You know, you're, I'm, I'm up there with my own bad brain. You know, and I'm like, oh. You know, even the psalmist talked to himself. Why so downcast on my soul? Right? Put your hope in God. So we need connection. And I'm telling you what, some of the tools that the enemy uses to disconnect you, uh, you know, he uses offense, he uses rejection, he uses, uh, uh, he uses bitterness, he, he uses distraction, he'll use good things to keep you from doing great things. There'll always be a resistance to you being in the Word, being in prayer, being in community on a consistent basis. Some of you this morning were like, oh, I know I should go. But I don't really want to go. You know, I mean, that's how we are. You know, there's a story of a of a, a wife, and she's telling her husband, "Honey, you got to get up. You got to go to church. I don't want to go to church. You got to go to church. I don't want to go to church. You got to go to church. You're the pastor." <laughs> so the devil wants to basically bring wedges between people and disconnect people when God is wanting to build people. He's wanting to draw people together. He's wanting to, you know, God is wanting to, to build a spiritual house as we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about. And we believe in being a church that connects. You know, when we do our connection cards, um, they're not about some corporate way to do church or track people. It's because we don't want people falling through the cracks. And with as many people in our church community, it's really easy to do. There's times, there's times when I'll, I'll, I'll wake up at night and I'll realize I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. And, 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 and it's like the, the, the heart that God gives us to, to come together and to be the body of Christ. We need, to, we need to lean into that heart. You know, we call our small groups house groups. And we're committed because we know that connected people are healthy people. And, and, and you know what? And I, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for, for showing up. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for being faithful. I want to thank you for caring for other people. You know, when you're not here, you leave, you leave something off the table that other people need. And I don't think we, some, so many times we, we, we tend to think of churches as being kind of, well, I'm coming because I need to come and I need to get something. But every time that you come, you actually bring something. You bring, you bring fellowship. You bring companionship. There's times when you bring a smile. There's times when you bring a handshake. There's times when your welcome actually makes people feel so good because they haven't had anybody welcome them all week long. You know, you're, you're like, I'm glad you're here. Might be the first time that, 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 that a young person has heard that for a while. I'm glad you're here. You know, and, and there's something in it that's so powerful what God is building. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for giving, for caring, for praying, for gathering. I want to thank you for putting up with each other. The Bible says bearing with each other, right? Sometimes we got to bear with each other. Because some people are kind of like a bear, you know, I mean, they are. 
But First Peter two four through six. Now it's kind of funny because it um, is Doctor Beth here. Is she online pastor? Dr. Beth, your online pastor daily. That's so cool. She came up and gave me, you know, with my voice, she came up and gave me some, some pills. I, I don't know what was in them, but man, that was really good. I love, a, I love having a doctor in the house. It was really cool. So in 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, verse 4. It says, And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected. Come on, somebody say rejected. Jesus had, had been rejected. And but a lot of times we'll allow rejection to keep us from gathering. Okay, so um, uh, coming to him as a living stone which has been rejected by man, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God is building something. Jesus is the master builder. And he's building a spiritual house. And I don't know if you've ever seen a house that's built and there's nothing in it. It's like it's not quite right. It's like, and I know we have some builders in the congregation. When these guys build, they're not building with the expectation that there won't be some family living in that home. Right? I mean, you wouldn't just go build a house to just have, I've got the greatest empty house out there. You're actually building it because there's a purpose. There's a design. So because there's a purpose and there's design, Jesus is actually building. He said, I will build my church. Peter is reiterating that you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. And God has an expectation that that house will be full. Now, is that house full of perfect people? Absolutely not. It's full of people that are broken, that are lost, and that found the only thing that is going to fulfill your life, and that's a relationship with Jesus. And he says, then when you come into me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And then basically he brings, he gathers into the house and he, he begins to, to build and to edify and to equip. By design, a connected church is a relational church. You can't be connected without being relational. But a lot of times, relationships are so hard to kind of, you know, walk through, work through. And if we're not careful, we tend to isolate. Without connected, all you know, all you do is you know about someone. And if you're not connected, then you're just an observer. You just watch. You know, it's really cool uh, to go to the mall and just watch people. It is. It's kind of cool. It's like, Lord, I just pray for him, and I wonder what's going on in that life, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But what the next step would be would actually be to get up off, off my bench and basically go connect with somebody. That's a different level of relationship. You know that. You know, a lot of people are just absolutely terrified about meeting new people. They are. Why is that? Do you think that's God? No, that's not God. That's the enemy. He doesn't want the body of Christ to be connected. So I want to I want to kind of do an illustration. It worked out 
It worked out okay this morning in the first service, so I said, well, if it works out, I'll do it again. Um, so, um, I, so what I have here is I have a guitar string. Okay, I got a guitar string right here. And uh, how many guitar players do I have out there? Okay, you got, you got some guitar players. Um, Chris, why don't you come up? You're a guitar player. Look, he's a guitar slinger if I ever saw one. Okay, so here's what I want to do. Now, I, I've just given this guitar string to Chris, and he's a guitar player, right? I want you to play something on that string. Whatever is in your heart, bro, just, just make it a good... The guitar string didn't work for my mouth. Okay, now you're going to hold the mic for me, okay? Okay. Because I'm going to grab my guitar. Okay. Okay, so you you got to hold this up there because I'm going to talk. You're not going to talk anymore. I'm going to talk. You good? Okay, just because you got the mic doesn't mean you get to talk. Okay, okay. (laughs) Ooh, platform etiquette 101. So this string by itself does not make a sound. What it needs, it actually needs to be connected. Somebody say connected. It's got to be connected at the bridge and connected at the head. Think about, think about the head. You know, the head of the church. But so there's something about this. And when you connect this string, then actually... Now, there's a tension that's, that's required. Because if I take the tension off this string... And then I'm going to play something, right? I'm going to see if I can grab a pick. You guys going to hear me good? I'm trying. You're, you're holding the mic really good, bro. You're good. You must have taken a class on holding the mic. Mm. That, that's what they teach you up at the Bear Paw School of Supernatural, how to hold the mic. Okay. Hey, we're so glad we have our students. Hey, listen, listen. So, But if you take the tension off that string... not a sound that's a beautiful sound you gotta you gotta actually put the tension back on the string and that tension can really be like it's it's a sound of unity look at that string now by itself it doesn't make a sound it's got to be connected and, and and what's important too is that there's there's tension we might go a whole different we might go a whole different direction with this okay okay i wasn't going to preach today anyway <laughs> there's a there's a whole there's a tension in relationships i mean if you think about it you've got to manage the tension in relationships for there to be a whole sound in it and a great sound and 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 you're in relationship with somebody it might be that you got a neighbor and you're in a um, you know in a city and they're right next to you but you still have to manage that or you might be a 
You might be in a rural area and your, your neighbor is, you know, a, a couple acres away, but you can still hear his dog, y'all. You know what I'm saying? You've got a, a real close neighbor. Probably saying, just get preaching. <laughs> Chris is good, huh? Chris, I want to give you this complimentary guitar string. Now, here's the deal, bro. You need five more for it to really work. You don't want to learn how to play a one-string banjo or a one-string guitar. But see, here, here, here that, that string under tension is also a picture of submission and accountability and guardrails that community brings. But there's a beauty and a sound that comes forth in that tension when you work your differences into unity. Your life was created to be connected, to bind together with Jesus and then be part of what Jesus is building. This is connection. A connected church is a relational church. God help us if we don't have a relational church. Because there's no way to be a connected church if you not have the element of relationship. It just goes hand in hand. In Acts chapter 2, and this is talking about relational church requires relational people. Acts 2.44 says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were together and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, this isn't some socialistic type thing. It was basically the people had the kind of relationships with each other where they would realize my brother's got a need, my sister's got a need, this family has a need, and we're going to do our best to make, meet that need. And then you see the pattern where they were meeting not only in the temple, but also from house to house. There's something beautiful about that. And that says in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Something in the heart of God where Jesus has said, I am building my church. And He saw it in activation. And He saw that people loved one another. They cared for one another. They were connected to one another. That God said, hey, that's going to be a safe place now. Listen, we're not, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that you'll be known as a Christian because of miracles, even though we believe in them, or that you drive out demons, even though we see that that's part of the New Testament church expression, or that you do this. It said, they'll know we are Christians by our love for one another. And that love for one another is not just a fleeting emotion. It's a choice. It's a declaration. It's like, it's like when I say that I love my wife, if, if that love was based simply on emotion, there's times when the emotion is high and the passion is there, and there's sometimes when it isn't. Can I, can I speak to somebody? No, come on, let's be honest. There's times when like, okay, she's here and I'm here and it's okay, right? If you've been married for more than a week, you'll experience that. <laughs> 
But here's the deal. I make a declaration and a decision. It's an action of my will to love. And when I make that declaration, I mean, I've, I've heard the craziest stuff. I've heard people come, well, I just, I fell out of love with him. No, you didn't. You actually made a decision to not make that decision any longer. Because love is not that emotion. It's that declaration. And so what's happening is the early church was meeting in the temple and they're meeting from house to house. And God looks down and he said, this is going to be a safe place for broken people, for rejected people, for lost people, for people that don't know me because I'm going to bring them in. These people are going to take care of them. They're going to equip them. They're going to love them. They're going to surround them. They're not going to be like all critical and judgmental and all that kind of stuff. Even though at times they're like, there's guardrails. You, can, you can't act like that anymore. This is how we, this because we're walking with Jesus. This is our behavior. And God looked down and he said, hmm, I'm going to add people to that because I like what's going on down there. There's a friend of mine years ago attended a church in another state and he told me later, he said, I felt like we were intruding. You know, if you're, if you're a guest here this morning, our heart, my heart, heart of our leadership is that you you would just encounter the love and the grace of God. As soon as we pray, as soon as you people get out of the parking lot, they'll feel like there's hope. There's hope in this place. There's love in this place. There's grace in this place. That's our hearts. That's our desire. You and I were created for relationship, and you don't do it very well if you aren't connected. There was a, there was a crude and... Um, cruel experiment that was carried out by Emperor Frederick who ruled the Roman Empire in the 13th century. And he wanted to know what man's original language was without being taught. Was it Hebrew? Was it Greek? Was it Latin? So he decided to isolate a few infants from the sound of the human voice. He reasoned that they would eventually speak the natural tongue of man. Wet nurses who were sworn to absolute silence were obtained. And even though it was difficult for them, they abided by the rule. The infants never heard a word, not a sound from a human voice. And within several months, they were all dead. We are not created to be isolated. We are created to be connected. And connected people are relational people. And relational people are connected people. Studies have shown that single men are jailed more often, earn less, have more illnesses, and die at a younger age than married men. Married men with cancer live 20% longer than single men with the same cancer. Women who often have close relationships with men survive longer with the same cancer. Relationships will save you. There's something about relationships. And that's why the enemy hates the relationship. You realize there's no unity in hell? So there's always going to be a tactic, always a strategy. There's always going to be a wedge. There's always going to be an opportunity. There's always going to be a place for offense. There's always going to be a place for division. There's always going to be a place because that's the enemy that's bringing that in. And we've got to get a whole lot better about recognizing what God is doing. See, God has always used relationships or heaven to touch the earth. And the heart of God is to be relationally connected with His people and His church. 
So I want to, you, you guys all hanging with me? Okay. <clears throat> I want to illustrate four ways to stay connected in your relationship with God that are essential. And you can't take one of these away and be healthy. First one is prayer. We spent all of January focusing on prayer. You know, just come on, get pray, pray, pray. I, I wasn't really good at praying. You know, it's like, it, it, it felt like, like, you know, my Robbie and I get married and I, I knew the Lord and I'd been in church, but it was kind of crazy because she like, she just prayed a lot more than me. I pray for three things and she prayed for 30, you know, and I feel unspiritual. But I recognize that Lord, praying is something is just simply communication with God. And it, it's like you, you have to communicate with God. In, in Luke 18, 1, Jesus said, he said, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. What you'll find is if you will walk in a consistent prayer with God, it will help your heart. You know, it, it will help your heart. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you won't go through things, but it'll help you. It'll strengthen your heart as you go through things. In Ephesians 6.18, it says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. There's so many principles, testimony, and instruction about prayer. No relationship works without communication. You don't even get along with your dog if you don't communicate. I, how many of you got, I've got like a communicate a communicative dog. It's probably terrible grammar. She's always just like woo, 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 woo every time she wants. She's got red hair. I'm just, no, 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 no. You know, here's the thing. When Robbie and I got married, it's like she was a much better communicator than me. Um, you know, I, she'd be like, um, what'd you do today? I worked. Who'd you talk to? A uh, couple guys. What'd they say? Ah, uh, this. What do you think they meant when they said that? I mean, she, she drug me out of my kind of, you know, insular thing. And, and, you know, her idea of a conversation was to sit across the table and look at me right in the eyes and go, I want to know what's going on inside of your heart. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I, I'm going to challenge the spouses here. Listen, if you want to be something super awkward, sit down with your wife. Sit down with your wife. Hey, Jay, I'm going to challenge you. Sit down with your wife and don't say a word. Just look right in the eye. I mean, right in the eyes and see how long you can do that. After about five seconds, I'm telling you, it's like, oh, this is really awkward. But it's about relationship. And it's about communication. And prayer is communication with God. Or the Word. You got to be in the word. Matthew 4 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, you stay connected in your relationship with God by making sure the word of God is a priority in your life. You got to feed yourself. You got to be in position and discipline yourself constantly to allow the word of God to be part of your daily life. You can't just kind of fall into this thing that, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to come to church and, and have the pastor, you know, feed me. Listen, at some point in time, only babies need fed. 
I'm not saying that we don't. This is important. But this is not enough. You've got to learn how to communicate, how to pray, how to be in the Word. Be like your 16-year-old son coming up to you, coming up to mom and say, Mom, would you feed me? Which kind of kept happening, even when they were in college sometimes. <laughs> it felt like. But you grow up in the mature man, the mature woman. You've got to get into this place. Listen, one of the things that's helped me a lot is I have a... Uh, I have a, um, uh, a version on, on my phone. And what I do is I've been able to disciple and talk with people from clear across the country. You know, I, I did a marriage. Uh, I was helping a marriage a while back. And, and I said, hey, download this thing. I'm going to pick out a marriage. You know, how to be married and not kill your spouse. And then we'll basically read it together. I'll comment. You comment. It's amazing what you can do. There's no excuse you got to be in the Word. Listen, if the devil knows the Word of God better than you do, he's going to beat you down. you got to, you got to be equipped, and you've got to be a man, a woman, a young person in the Word of God. There's something, uh, the Word of God is living, and it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. There's something that actually is imparted to us. But when we get into the Word of God, it could be just like, I'm going to actually feed. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we've got to, as believers, we've got to walk in that. That's how you stay connected. Worship. This is a house of worship, man. We love worship. But it's not just because we love singing and we love playing. It's because we understand theologically that worship is a gift from God. Worship is a gift from God because something happens. It says that, uh, that He's enthroned upon the praises of His people. When, 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 when we praise God and when there's worship, there's something supernatural that begins to happen. There's something that's imparted. Worship is God's idea. And it's also a response of mankind's gratitude to God's provision and blessing. And it's His gift also to introduce wholeness into our life. Worship is God's constant provision for restoration. A lot of times we don't recognize that. We come in and we're like, okay, good, it's good. I love that, I love that set list. It's really good. I can you know, I kind of dance to that one. It's good, right? <laughs> And oh yeah, that one. I'm just going to the throne. Oh, that's my favorite song. Okay, that's okay. But worship is something where God is, is meeting His people. And He's actually he's touching the places that are broken. He's touching the anxiety. He's touching the confusion. He's actually bringing a, a restoration into us every time that we come. The English word, Worship comes from the same root word as worthy. Have you ever felt unworthy? I have. The word worth comes from the word axios, which originally described a coin of full weight. Ancient coins weren't valued because of what was inscripted on them so much, but, but the weight of the coin, the weight of the gold, the weight of the silver, the weight of the mineral. And the ancient coins were valuable, but they would wear thin from use, losing value, and becoming worth less. In our culture, worthless means nothing, but actually should still mean worth less. 
and what we do and we are in and we're saying worthy. Worthy is the Lamb of God. And our praises, He's being enthroned upon the praises of His people. There's something that's imparted. God invites us on a pathway of worship into His presence that He might impart His nature to us again. The very nature of God is being imparted. It's crazy. It's just not a worship service. It's just not a song service. But there's something dynamic and supernatural that happens. And that's why you feel bigger on the inside when you leave than when you came. Because something about the kingdom of God is just being uh, imparted to you in a divine way. And you may not even know, why do I feel better? Because you've touched the presence of God, and the presence of God has touched you, and He's restoring some things into your life that have been diminished and delayed and diluted by the interaction that we have with a culture that actually is, is it hates God. And we get to, we get to you know, we're, we're just touching stuff all the time, and it takes virtue out of you. Worship releases fresh virtue into your life. Fresh hope. I've had more things restored. I've had God speak to me. I've heard my heart soften in worship than than almost anything else. Difficult situations may not change, but certainly the way that I look at them, the way that I interact them does. And then fellowship. You know, prayer, word, worship, fellowship. Fellowship sounds kind of like an old Christianese. We need some fellowship. But the concept of it is back into that being connected. It's like you were created for community. You weren't created to be alone. You were created to, to bring what God has done in your life and, and receive what God has done in other people's lives. We've been created to walk out our journey with connection with others. Have our worship team come up. My voice is just about gone. Somebody out there is probably saying, Hallelujah. Yeah, I was laughing when Pastor Joel was talking about, about the church that we attended for 17 years. And man, I'm telling you what, my pastor, he could preach. But he would. He'd stand you up, and then he'd sit you back down again and be like, there's three or four closes there. And there's times when you're going, okay, let's do some church. Would you consider making connection with others? a priority this year? Would you make the gatherings on Sunday a priority? It would change your life. Because God wants to impart some things. He wants to equip you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to bring life to you. He wants to impart what's been, what gets lost, what gets wore out. Make a small group. Make a connection group a priority. You need people, and people need you. Would you also consider pray and reach out to people in a greater way this year? Would you be an intentional connector? Would you be intentional? I'm going to be a bridge builder. I'm going to build relationships this year. And speaking of connection, one of the things that I was praying and sensing this morning was there's probably people here that you don't feel very connected with God right now. Sometimes stuff happens, life happens. Sometimes you get distracted. Sometimes you get delayed. Can I ask you a question? 
I try to be about as transparent as I can being your lead pastor. Is there anybody here you'd say, I just do feel a little bit disconnected today? Where I've been walking through a, a period of disconnect, just feeling kind of disconnected with the Lord. That's okay. I've walked through it too. I want to pray for you. If that's you, raise your hand. Yeah, I could, I could use that prayer. I need to be more. You're all good. Wow, this is awesome. Or maybe you're here this morning, you've never connected with God through a relationship with Jesus. Can I, can I, can I read a couple scriptures to you? One is Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him, will dine with him, and he with me. Or I love Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord God is in your midst, a victorious war. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. And finally, Matthew 11. 28, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I believe there might be somebody here today that you're saying, this is what I need, Pastor. I need that rest. Can I just ask you to close your eyes just for a moment? If you're here this morning and you've never taken that step of faith, say I need Jesus as my Lord I need forgiveness for my sin and I want to open the door of my heart right where you're sitting I just want you to raise your hand we do this in community if you're saying today is a day I want to give my heart to Jesus I want to give my life to the Lord anybody here this morning this is your step of faith this is your declaration this is your